here's the thing. They thought I was faking it. I had no complaints. I love my church. You guys are great to me. Uh, I don't have no problems with my elders. I don't have no problems with my deacons. Uh, And here's the other thing that is very unusual. I want you guys to understand how unusual this is. We don't have a single elder or a deacon I could not put in this pulpit on a Sunday, and you would get a sound, edifying sermon. It's not the way it always is, right? They're men of the word. They're men of spirituality. I don't know what will happen with this church in the future or what will happen with all y'all, but I expect that this church will inevitably in the future produce many pastors, uh, many elders, uh, and frankly just do a lot of stuff. Now today we're having uh, Howie Mays is going to present the word to us today. As you know, Howie is a man to be respected. He's done a lot in life. He's just celebrating his 50th anniversary to Jan this year. He's a studier of the word, but he's also a spiritual man that is edifying to people. One of the things that is very impressive to a pastor is when you hear, he prayed with me. might seem like a small thing to you, but it's a big thing to me. When somebody comes to me and says, how he sat down with me and prayed with me, uh, that kind of spiritual attention of care that's exactly where it's at, right? So, Howie, if you wouldn't mind coming forward and presenting the word for us, we'd appreciate it. good to be with you all this morning. Uh, I had plenty of time to prepare, but before we get down to serious worship, I want to spread a little church history with you. As you make up a presentation or something, you kind of got to time yourself, see how long it's going to take. You don't want it to take, you know, you want it to be long enough to do some good, but you don't want it to be too long. And that got me thinking about a little bit of church history. Or maybe, before we get down to serious worship, uh, about 10 or 12 years ago, we had a guest pastor come in, and the people that have been here a while know exactly who I'm talking about. But anyway, he got up here and started preaching, and he preached, and he preached, and he preached, and about 1.30, he started winding things down. <laughs> well, with us senior citizens, we sit two or three hours in one spot. Body parts start to get numb. <laughs> And by 1.30, I had no feeling from the waist down. <laughs> but when we all had to stand up and uh, stand up for the closing hymn, you ought to have heard the groans and the moans of, of the old, older people. And poor old Teresa and Jim that I always sit behind them, I thought I was going to have to get a wrecker in to hoist them up. <laughs> But they did eventually get up. But uh, 
Uh, that was about 1.30. I promise I won't keep you a minute past 1.15. <laughs> but uh, in all seriousness now, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for another beautiful day. Every day is a, thank, is a day of thanksgiving and love for you. We love you for the loving grace you bestow on us daily. May this day be filled with love and humility while we worship you. Well, I want us to all turn to, uh, well, first off, today's topic is about love and hate. Love being a blessing from God, no doubt, and hate being straight from the devil who that fellow doesn't get as quite as much air time as he should, but uh, let's turn to First Corinthians chapter 13, and let's see if I can get through the bottom part of this without messing it up, but it says, if I speak in tongues of men and angels, and have not love, I am a noisy gong, a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and have all faith and uh, as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. I give away all I have and I deliver up my body to be burned. But I have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy or boast, it is not arrogant or rude, it does not insist on its own way, it is not irritable or uh, resentful, it does not rejoice at, long, at wrongdoing, but rejoices in truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. And when the perfect comes and the partial passes away. But when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child and I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now, we see in the mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part that I shall know fully, even if I have been seen fully. So faith, hope, and love abide these things, but the greatest of them all is love. Now, the Apostle Paul didn't give us a definition of love, but he stressed the importance of love. We all know that love for our spouses is different than love for our families. We don't love our kids the same way we love our friends. But love 
has so many different meanings. It means so many different things to so many people. But if you look closely at chapter 13, the first three verses were pretty awesome. They told it like it was. And uh, that is full of meaning to me. But the first three verses are kind of like a warning uh, that like without the motivation of love, all good deeds, including service for the Lord, will profit nothing in God's eyes. A loving spirit is more important than words, generosity, or knowledge. You know, on Valentine's Day, the whole world, I think it's worldwide now, that we really go all out to celebrate romantic love. And there are flowers and candy and big red hearts. But there are also quiet strolls in the moonlight soft I I love yous and some of them are heartfelt and some of them may not be but what we need to focus on is the greatest love story of all times which I've heard this all my life John 3.16 for the God so loved the world that he gave his only son that who believeth him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Can you imagine having so much love for someone that you give up your only child for the sake of others? But there's something a little bit more to this verse. The Son, Jesus, He had to agree to this. He had to agree to fulfill his father's will Jesus gave all he had to give his life I'm sure he didn't have any material things he probably didn't know where his next meal was coming from but God provided for him his father provided for him but while fake love, it is only, it's only concerned about wants and needs. While real love gives up everything for another person, even if it means giving their life. The ultimate gift, the ultimate love, is when someone gives their life for someone else and Jesus gave all he had his life Romans 12 verse 9 says let love be genuine abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good we have to let we have to let all we do be done in love we have to unburden ourselves with thoughts of hate through hate through loving God 
we can all be free. Now, Matthew uh, 5, for, uh, Matthew 5, verse 40 through, through 48. Praying for someone who persecutes you has got to be one of the hardest things that a Christian can do. Let's read, uh, go to Matthew 5, verse... 43 through 48. It says, You have heard it said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, You love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, which is a good one. That is hard to do so that you may be the sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain to the just and unjust. For you love who loves you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And you greet only your brothers. What more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as, as your Father is perfect. Uh, but praying for your Praying for your uh, enemies is hard. But let's go back to self-love. I want to talk about self-love. Has anyone known someone that was so selfish and so me-oriented that they ruined their lives and caused pain to every life they've touched? That they're out there. These people are out there. As I spent my early childhood making my older sister's Margaret's life miserable, and she says I did a pretty good job, but she says she loves me anyway, which is a good thing. But my mom was this wonderful lady that was a philosopher of sort. She would, uh, she had clever words of wisdom for about any subject that life could throw at you. And she would say, you can't really be happy. No one can really be happy unless you're capable of trying to make someone else happy. And life has told me that is very true. I learned that lesson. But some people are so me-oriented 
and so selfish that they can think of no one else but themselves. They can only think of what makes them happy or what they think makes them happy. These people are never happy. And those that are close to them are miserable. And the best way I find when you run across these people is give them lots of space. <laughs> but do these selfish, me-oriented people, do they love God? We know that some people are just easier to love than others. It's a fact. Some people, some people have like they have a big sign around their neck, love me or hug me. Well, those people are easy to love, but we got to love the people that don't have the sign around their neck also. But we know that love is a very powerful human emotion. But so is hate. And I heard that hate and love are relatives. My mom used to tell me, be careful who you hate. You may love them someday. And that scared me to death sometimes. <laughs> but when hate is so powerful that it can ruin your life. It can take over your life. Let's take a quick look at what God hates. In Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, God says, there are six things that the Lord hates. Seven are abomination to him. Haunty eyes. We all know haunty eyes, that look of judgment, that look of anger, that look of disgust. Haunty eyes, through your eyes you can see many things. A lying hands that uh, shed innocent blood. Uh, lying hands, wait a minute, lying tongues and hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that deceives uh, devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. One that sows discord among, among brothers. I have known people that are not happy unless they're causing a stink, unless they're doing making people mad and upsetting people, kind of like stirring the pot. Sometimes you think that these kind of people get an adrenaline rush out of this or something. They, they, they love it. I've seen them. But with hate, revenge always rears its ugly head. I guess revenge is a byproduct of hate. 
but not long ago we had a sweet young lady give her heart to God and wanted to join our church. And while the session was talking to her, she said she used to think in her mind of ways she could get back and exact revenge on people that she considered had done her wrong. And at that moment in time, that hit me, wow. I've done this, and I didn't know that it was a sin, but that opened the door to a weakness that I had. But this young lady had no idea that these words were going to open up a door for me, a better understanding of me and my sin. She had no idea that she had done that. But... And also, week before last, Pastor Chris kind of hit on the subject of revenge. He was talking about when God exacts his revenge on others that obviously were wrongdoers, like some of our politicians in Washington, D.C., Every once in a while, Lord, it seems like the Lord will exact His punishment on them. But when we think this, we have no right to feel joy from this. Well, me and Pastor Chris was talking about me. And I knew he was talking about me. I'd done it many times. And when he does that, you kind of slink down in your seat then you look up and man the dude's looking straight at you he's he's talking to me now I've heard other people say this it's not I'm not the only one this happened to it's happened to other people but Pastor Chris Chris is pretty good at that but we all know that uh, vengeance is mine says the Lord and that means, to me, that means we have no right passing judgment or exacting revenge on anybody. That is reserved for the Lord. But that's a weakness I have. And I hate it when he does that. This really, when a preacher preaches to your weaknesses and he looks straight at you, that's tough. But why should we feel joy from anyone's misfortune or anyone's mis or evil doings or things that happen to them? We have no we shouldn't do that. But in closing Wow, it's not one fifteen yet, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, but anyway, before I close, I want to read you something that a commentary that I I uh, read online. It is from a Baptist preacher. I had his name someplace, but 
Even though he's a Baptist, I'll go ahead and read it anyway. It's pretty good. But it says, it said, Love isn't produced by trying harder to master goodwill to, towards someone who is irritating or is hard to get along with. Instead, think of the process more like sap running through the branches of a grapevine. In a similar way, the Spirit follows us, follows through us in a, in a similar way, producing God's love so we can express it to Him and to others. Whenever we demonstrate kindness, patience, or gentleness, gentleness, it's not God's doing, or it is God's doing, not ours. Even the adoration we offer to Him isn't something we produce on our, on our own, in our own hearts, apart from His assistance. We don't do it on our own. Though the command to love is enormous, God's grace makes it possible. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we all know that we're born sinners, born with the ability to love and hate. We pray that love will become a blessing that directs our life and we pray that our love for you will spread throughout eternity. Amen. Amen. Please rise as we sing the group. 516. Thank you, Howie. Thank you.
Evelyn, good to see you. We haven't seen them for a while. There's also a Peggy Ford and Don Ford. For those of you newer folks that uh, haven't met them, uh, sometimes there are physical things that have kept people out, especially during the COVID time. Please be careful of uh, Peggy because she has some uh, pretty serious illnesses. You've heard us pray for her so much that I wanted to point her out so you know who she is. This is Peggy and Don Ford over here, and Evelyn uh, is in the back. Okay, we are going to have a choir practice today at 5.30. I might be here alone, so it'll be a choir of one if you all don't show up. Uh, anything else? All right, I'm going to pray for you, and then I'm going to do the blessing. Lord, our God and Father, we just pray for your church. We pray for grace for you, Lord God. I believe that we are small, but we are mighty. You do great things through this church, Lord God, and it's a testimony to your strength and your power. You often choose to do powerful things through small devices that it may be known that you are the Lord. We pray, Lord God, for everyone here that as they depart from this building, you would pour out your spirit on them and bless them. Strengthen them, Lord God, and give them the words to say and the spirit to seek out things to be edifying for you. Give them great knowledge and skill and safety as they go from here. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. May the Lord our God bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.